Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's Flames Nation Radio. It's September, and we have hockey to talk about. Uh, I'm Ryan, joined by Shane, as always, and special guest this week because he wanted to join us, Mike Gould from everywhere you read about hockey, it seems, is with us this week. Hi, Mike. Hey, how you doing? Uh, as always, we're delivered to you by DoorDash and by the lovely people at Eau Claire Distillery, the makers of Rupert's Whiskey, the official whiskey of the Calgary Flames. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday. Uh, today was two things. One, the Flames Golf Tournament, where they raised money for charity. And, uh, you know, Bradtree Living hopefully took a bit, bit of a victory lap seeing uh, some guys that he acquired in a, in a frenzy arrive in town and put names to faces and whatnot. Uh, the other thing was fitness testing for the rookie part of training camp. Uh, we'll get into this momentarily, but the big news of the week is hockey starts. Uh, the Penticton tournament begins on Friday. Uh, the Flames play an 830 game against Vancouver. I think it's Vancouver. And then they play Saturday night, 8.30 p.m. Mountain Time, I believe against Edmonton. And then they play Winnipeg on Monday at noon. All three games are streamed on the Flames website. Uh, I believe it's probably geo-locked. Don't quote me on this. But more often than not, the things on the Flames website are, for rights rights reasons, geo-locked to Alberta. So if it doesn't work for you, I apologize. Hopefully you can find a way to make it work that is legalish uh three pieces of news beyond that i say three and hold up nine fingers uh pieces of news this week there there have been some uh, a couple signings and a hiring that's kind of interesting uh the, the two signings and they're not really signings they're ptos but one will almost definitely lead to a signing because one person is an inevitability in the flames organization one michael stone got signed to a pto uh michael stone you know, find, gentlemen, find someone in your life that loves you the way Brad for Living loves signing Michael Stone to contracts. Uh, the Flames general manager traded for Michael Stone in, I believe, his first trade deadline. I think it was 2014 or 2015. It was 2015. Yeah, it was his first yeah. trade deadline as GM. Uh, and then he signed Michael Stone to a three-year contract extension. Two years into that contract extension for cap reasons, he had to buy him out. Uh, Michael Stone was being paid like a, you know, regular third pairing, second pairing guy. And the flames didn't have the, the allocation to really make, keep that going. So they bought him out. And then a week or two later, Yusuf Alamaki's knee exploded. And all of a sudden it's Michael Stone season again. And Michael Stone has been signed to three consecutive one-year contracts playing on the third pair and, or as the seventh defenseman, and he's been pretty good. He was pretty good last season. He came in at short notice in the playoffs when uh, Chris Tanev got hurt 
Uh, he he's a plug and play guy. He's a veteran. He, I think that the nice thing for Michael Stone is two things. One, he's perfectly fine. He's got a good shot and he's fine at pretty much everything. He's not great at anything, but he's good enough. And the other thing is he's self-aware. He, I think he's, he knows what he's good and not so good at. And so he just doesn't put himself in situations to look bad. He, he's just a really smart, low risk player. Uh, I would argue high floor, low ceiling player, but he's fine. And at, you know, he's, he'll probably deserves to get more than league minimum based on how well he played last season. NHL economics being what they are and his, you know, his personal circumstances. I'm sure he, he lives in Calgary. His family's in Calgary. He's got a young family. He's got kids. And for him being in the local community seems to be a priority to the point where he's probably going to leave money on the table. But I mean, what, what do you guys, I, I think, you I, know, he's, I, I think, I think he's fine. That I'm pretty sure Correct me if I'm wrong. Brad came from Arizona, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, who else? Right. Who else came from Arizona? So that relationship. Derek McKinnon. Yeah, well, you're not wrong. Uh, um, who yeah. else? Uh, Ray Edwards. Uh, Robert Newhauser. Uh, uh, Don the, Maloney. Uh, yeah, Don came too. But Michael Stone and Brad go back way before their Flames times, either because he was the AGM down there, I believe, and he had Stone there too. So they've they've been connected for a long long time stone i like stone because if he he doesn't hurt anything by putting him in the press box he is what he is uh if he needs to sit for five games six games he will he's fine with it he's a team player he shows up plays hard when he gets put in and does what's needed so uh if they there's a lot of d things to sort out that we'll talk another time i'm just glad stone's still here and getting a shot so yeah michael stone is one of the last remnants of the tree living maloney era in phoenix who is still in the league uh you saw it a bit a few years ago uh with Lori korpakoski coming in on a pto uh toby reader came in on a pto turned that into a contract so yeah no it definitely used to be more of a theme uh there were uh, there are definitely more guys who used to play for the coyotes who came in on ptos um yeah no i have no issues with it i think uh I think it's probably a precursor to another move. I think use of Alamaki probably gets moved on at some, at some point. You can't get um, waived. I think, well, has yeah, to get waived, right? So has to get waived, and I don't think he's one of their top eight defenders uh, either oh, in terms of his on ice value or based on their cap situation. I can't see them carrying eight defenders. So either way, yeah, you, I don't even think he's one of their top seven. I mean, I, I think uh, from the we'll see. Well, yeah, because if, if we were having this conversation camp a year ago about uh, Oliver Shillington, eh, yeah, so we'll yeah. see. I'm, I'm, I'm willing, I'm willing to be surprised by training camp, but I'm never surprised by Michael Stone, and I mean that as a compliment. He's, he's a metronome. He's reliable. He's inexpensive. He's predictable in all the best ways. Uh, do you, would you want him playing over some of your kids? No. Do they have any kids who he'd be playing over? Again, probably no. So uh, the other move the Flames made was they signed uh, Cody Eakin, formerly of many teams, including Vegas, Winnipeg, and Buffalo most recently. Uh, they signed him to a PTO. Uh, Eakin's a body. He's, he's fine. He looks like he might, if they sign him, he'll be on the fourth line, maybe, or is the 13th, 14th forward. Uh, I mean, He's is he an upgrade on uh, Kevin Rooney? And I, I don't know. He's. Yeah. I think the problem I have with with really poo pooing Eakin too much is that he was playing in Buffalo, and Buffalo was horrible last year. So he was 
a average player relative to his team on a horrendous hockey team. So what, what is he when you put him with good players? His experience several years ago in Vegas suggests he'd be fine. But also, it's been several years since he's been playing on a good team with good players. His Winnipeg experience now the standing. So I don't know what he is, but I mean, they didn't, you know, they didn't give anything up to get him. He's, you know, going to play in the preseason and probably be one of their veterans. And he feels like a guy that either signs on October 8th and is your 13th, 14th forward or is released on October 8th or 9th. And you don't really think about it anymore. Either way, I mean, it, he's, he is a body and maybe, a, maybe he's more than that. I don't know. It's a bar to set though. Like, like, Hey, like we're going to bring Eakin in on a PTO. Hey kids, if you want to make the team, you have to be at least better than this. Like you, you, if you want to make the team, you want to be on the roster, you have to be better than this. You have to bring the everyday intangibles that a old pro like Cody Eakin is going to bring in or like in, in, in terms of getting the pucks out and being like, back checking and, and if, always if we're to gonna be mean about this he's a replacement ish level nhl player and do you, that's what he is now you want to say to pelche or rosichka or whoever hey kids if you want to be an nhler you have to prove you're better than a replacement level guy i mean i, I guess rude i mean he get it's like cody Eakin's better at hockey than all three of us probably combined so i'm not really like oh, yeah. really really there's no, there's no there's no probably about it there's yeah, no the worst player it. in the NHL is better. I'll say, than I'll say this. This is this is the thing. My, my dad was my hockey coach growing up, and to be very generous about my hockey skills, uh, the phrasing he used at dinner a few weeks ago was, "Ryan, you made the NHL in the only way you probably were going to." <laughs> I mean, harsh yep. dad, but uh, I mean, at least he's being truthful with you. <laughs> but no, uh, Cody Eakin, I don't think they sign up. I don't think it turns into a contract. But if it does, it's because kids aren't ready yet you gotta have you gotta have bodies and they gotta be there and uh we know the coach likes reliable veterans to they don't make rookie mistakes so yeah my only uh my only quibble with Eakin I would have just preferred somebody else <laughs> um I don't have any issues with PTOs in general uh, I I think the way that the Flames handle them is generally speaking fine um yeah I mean I think Cody Eakin is probably better than what he's shown in Buffalo uh, I think there are players who were available who were also on bad teams who were better on those bad teams who they could have looked at. But at the same time, uh, you know, it's it's really just it's just squibbling over if, loose ends. Like, it's just such a minor thing uh, so that I don't really have many regrets or concerns about it. For all the stats fans that listen, if you look at their wrap them charts, it's it's like Trevor Lewis. But when you add oh, yeah. a Buffalo factor and take the Buffalo factor out and even average him. It's the same that it's they're right there. They already have the Trevor Lewis and, Trevor is there. So. Yeah. Like, yeah. And honestly, I thought Trevor Lewis for what Trevor Lewis is asked to do when he was on like the fourth line of the PK, he was, he was fine. He was, you know, Trevor Lewis was exactly mm-hmm. what the flames needed Trevor Lewis to be. I don't think you need two, but I'm also not the person signing the checks or, or recruiting players. So, I mean, uh, the other piece of news, a bit more exciting than Cody Eakin, the Flames signed, uh, Rebecca Johnston, uh, Canadian hockey icon, Rebecca Johnston, uh, otherwise known as the other Johnny hockey, to Calgary hockey fans, uh, no. to uh, a role. Uh, she's going to be working with player development and player evaluation work with prospects and uh, with on ice instruction for some of the younger players this year. She's also going to be working in uh, community development a bit uh, with the Flames Foundation. It's kind of a cool role. Uh, she's 32. She has uh, three Olympic medals, uh, four Olympic medals, three of them are gold, uh, nine 
she's been to, I think she's won seven world championships, something like that. She, no, two world championships and seven gold, uh, silvers and world championships. So she's played an ungodly amount of high-end hockey. She also won a Clarkson Cup with the Calgary Inferno uh, a few years ago, back when the Inferno were still a thing. Uh, we miss you, Calgary Inferno. Uh, yeah, she's, she's objectively great at hockey, and she is based in the Calgary area, and if you know if you're the flames and you suddenly have an AHL team that's going to be playing plenty of time in your home market and practicing there's really no downside in bringing in someone that's that good at hockey and saying hey we'll give you some money uh, teach the kids what you can teach them and then help us build uh, hockey in the Calgary community so yeah i think it's it's an it's an easy you know, high five tap in uh, win for both sides. It's going to be kind of cool to, for, and I think it continues a trend of a lot of really high end uh, women's athletes coming in and, you know, becoming more and more of a, a fixture uh, in NHL clubs. Uh, you know, recently Jessica Campbell got hired by the, uh, the Coachella Valley Firebirds as an assistant coach. I believe she's the first, she's the, I believe, right. correct, me, correct me if I have this wrong, because I'm probably going to get the details of this wrong in terms of bench coaches in the NHL or AHL. She's basically the, the first bench coach at the highest level so far. And she probably has the inside track of getting an NHL gig before too long because, you know, successful AHL teams get all their best coaches poached. And I'll say this, hopefully there's, hopefully there's more strong female athletes getting poached by uh, NHL clubs because we saw this, uh, you know, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, nobody had analytics departments and everyone thought, Man, isn't that stupid not to have analytics departments? That's really stupid. Yeah. Uh, and now the trend is, hey, we have an entire gender full of amazing high-end athletes with these, you know, you know, high-end, you know, pressure-packed hockey experience. People who've won at the highest levels, people who've just been there, done that, and can teach your kids stuff. So, I why wouldn't you hire, you know, more more women into your front offices and into your hockey hockey operations outfits? So, I mean. I, yeah, this seems like a win. I, I'm still kind of, I'm still kind of mad that the, uh, that the Leafs hired uh, Haley Wickenheiser and the Flames didn't jump on that sooner because she went to the UFC. She, you mm. know, played a lot of her hockey in the Calgary area, but at least, at least they're not letting uh, Rebecca Johnston get away. And the, she's not the only female uh, coach they have as well. They have a that conditioning coach. Um, uh, Daniel Fujita is their uh, their power, their skating coach, full time skating coach. So yeah, it's, did a great feature on her on Hockey Night in Canada in the playoffs, yeah. and it was fantastically well done. And even the players talk about how much she's brought to their game. So it's it's fantastic. It's about time, basically about time. <laughs> you, 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 when you limit half the hiring pool right off the hop you're just stupid so <laughs> exactly that's the exact point that i was going to make it's just a, if you feel your organization is smart people then good things tend to happen right yeah it's just like stupid so anyways fantastic so let's dive into the the meat of this sandwich gentlemen uh it's penticton time uh we haven't it's been a while since we've had an actual tournament to talk about for september hockey it's uh let me think it's been a while. Cause was it 2018? The flames went to China. So they didn't do it. 2019. They didn't do it because they did uh, something with the Oilers. 2020 was a pandemic. 2021 was a pandemic. And they also did so, a thing with the Oilers because they wanted, it was less pandemic. So they were able to do something. So this is like the first normal Penticton tournament. The flames have participated in since I think 2017. Yep. So it's been 
a minute since they've been doing this. Uh, this year's tournament features just the four teams for this year. It might expand in the coming years. Uh, it features Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, and that team uh, up uh, up in Winnipeg that doesn't have an airport. You're gonna have sorry. To we legally provi- we legally have to point out that the Winnipeg airport does exist. Uh, it's in our contracts now. So, <laughs> gentlemen, before we'll, driving now. we'll we'll do a deep dive into the the 27 individuals who'll be representing the Flames in this tournament. Uh, briefly, let's touch on the other three teams. Uh, there's some interesting names. Uh, we'll start. I think let's start with uh, the gentleman up north, uh, the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, they have an interesting group going. They have uh, four first-round picks. Their four most recent first-round picks: uh, Reed Schaefer, Xavier Burgo, Dylan Holloway, and Philip Broberg. Philip Broberg uh, is their 2019 pick. If you, if you think to yourself, isn't he in NHL already? He has played NHL games. He's you know uh, probably one of the more veteran guys you'll see at an event like this. But as we'll get into with some of the Flames players, I think the thought process is guys like Phil Broberg they think can make a push for the NHL gigs and regular NHL minutes, they want to have start camp early and put them in a situation where they can potentially exert their will. And a man-sized kid like Broberg can probably, for you know, I think I'm sure the Oilers are hoping he will. This seems like a situation where Broberg can come in and really put his put his mark on the games he's in. I don't know if he'll do that, but I can understand the the thought process behind it. Mike, what do you think? I mean, yeah, I think with Phil Broberg, he's there as sort of the, you know, a marquee player they can send uh, sort of in the same vein as Jacob Pelleche, who's going for Calgary. And obviously they're the same year, um, you know, Broberg, interesting player. Uh, you know, I think he'll be probably one of the better defenders in the entire tournament. He, I mean, Calgary doesn't have anybody at his pedigree. I, uh, Vancouver certainly doesn't and Winnipeg probably doesn't either. And so, uh, he'll probably have an uh, opportunity to, you know, assert his will, as, as you said. I mean, we saw it at some of the, you know, I was at the Holinka tournament uh, this past summer. And, you know, you saw on some of the teams, uh, there was one defenseman in particular for Team Finland. I'm just trying to remember his name. Uh, but he was just, he was by far and away, I thought, the be- Aaron Kiviharju. He was the best uh, defenseman at the tournament. And he could just impose his will because he was just so much better than everybody else. And so, I think that's going to be big for Edmonton. It's they're, they're kind of a funny group to me. I, I wasn't a huge fan of Reed Schaefer as a pick uh, this past, uh, this past draft. Uh, Borgo is more intriguing to me and Dylan Holloway is even more intriguing to me. I'll, I'll say this about Reed Schaefer as, as, uh, as a draft honk through and through, I'll say this Reed Schaefer. So, uh, so just so folks know, uh, the Seattle Thunderbirds played like an extra, like three weeks more than most other teams did. Most of the, the most of the major junior hockey was all closed down, you know, playoffs were over for most, most teams by the time the Western league's playoffs uh, were, were wrapping up. And so if you're a scout for any team, not just the Oilers, we'll pick on the Oilers, not just the Oilers. Uh, you're, you're sent out, your job is to watch hockey. And as long as there's, you know, junior, as long as there's draft eligible players playing, you're going to be watching, you're going to be going to those games. And we see this quite often with uh, draft eligible players for the Memorial cup, uh, Case in point, Greg Demas. Uh, you know, we saw. You know, we see this a lot in in uh, in, in the Memorial Cup winning teams. Uh, t- players who probably would have been, you know, second rounders. Like Greg Demas is a good example of this. Greg Demas in his draft year played in the Memorial Cup, and he was good. He was great. He was a good player on a very good team, and 
it made him look like a world beater. And so a player who probably should have gone to the second round went to the first round. So it's no, you know, when, when Mike and I say, I wouldn't have taken Reed Schaefer in the first round. I don't think they, I wouldn't have taken Reed Schaefer in the first round. Reed Schaefer in the second round, mwah, really good pick in the second round. It's just the, the, the playoff goggles, for lack of a better term, boost up players sometimes into, you know, higher than their draft position probably should have been. And so I like Reed Schaefer. I liked a lot of the Seattle players. Uh, Jordan Gustafson had a good playoffs. A lot of, a lot of guys on Seattle had good playoffs. Lucas Siona, the Flames pick, had a good playoffs. I don't think that would have maybe take Lucas Siona around earlier. But then again, we had the benefit of hindsight and the benefit of pessimism. So, but I like Reed Schaefer. I agree with you. I, I really, I really like uh, Holloway as a prospect. I think he's got, he's got so much maturity to his game. He started to become, as the kids say, man-sized. Uh, the time he spent in college sort of filled him out a bit. So he's a little bit less boyish and a little bit more of a big boy. And, you know, this is the kind of tournament where, you know, you mentioned with Broberg, if it's, it's a young kids tournament, there'll be some guys who, who are like 18, 19 years old playing and they will look lanky and they will look like they could use an extra sandwich or an extra week at the gym. And if you're man size, this is the type of environment where you can really assert yourself. So there's you, funny. You said that because there's a player going for the Oilers that I'm interested in watching. It's Noah Philp. Uh, he's 20. Luke Phillips' brother. Yeah, it's Noah Phillips. New sports icon. But he played in a league that wasn't exactly the same level of competition as the rest of these guys. So I'm interested to see how he fits in, just how, how seamless that goes. And the other guy I want to watch is everyone's favorite. It's Dylan Holloway. It's his year. It, like, this is your time to break in, kid. Like, it's your time. Borgo should be next year. Like, the, the way, everyone crapped all over Holland for years, but he's actually built a steady pipeline of decent players that should be able to make the roster over the next few years. And if the Oilers are a playoff team, they should be with those two guys up there. But uh, Holloway's the guy. Holloway's like, if someone on this team is going to take over a game, it's going to be Dylan Holloway. It should be Dylan Holloway. So I, I don't know how Oilers. I feel about the Oilers blue line group though. I mean, <laughs> I don't love their, their goaltending. Mm-hmm. I look at like, what uh, they have Olivia, Olivia Rodrigue, who is there, who spent most of last year in Wichita. And he's, He's good in the queue. He's had sort of a, a weird experience as a pro so far. He hasn't really, he hasn't grabbed hold of it, as they say, but I also think he hasn't been in a situation to grab hold of it because he's sort of been in there. He's sort of been there, Nick Schneider, in that he's, you know, been their second or third guy in the A. And so to give him ice time, he goes down to Wichita and the, the, the you know, anyone who's watched the East Coast League. I apologize if you watch the East Coast League. Sometimes the hockey's good and sometimes it's not very good. And the part where it falls apart is the defensive play. And, you know, the, the, the you know, when, when I watched a tape of Danil Chechilev, uh, the, who the Flames had in, in Kansas City, he faced a lot of good chances. And that's, you know, so it's hard. I, I don't want to judge Rodrigue too harshly because he's been in the coast a lot and he's faced a lot of good chances based on that league. But his numbers aren't anything to write home about. He, and he might he be their best goal. He should be on Bakersfield this year with Mike Smith's rumored injury that might keep him out the whole year. That would yeah. be goaltender tandem of Campbell Skinner, which means there's a hole in Bakersfield. And that would be the hole for Rodri. It, it's there. Their, their goaltending depth's not crazy outside of that. So, yeah, I, again, get him started and see what you got in him. But it, it is, he, they're slow cooking him. They've got Stuart Skinner is actually really good. So, uh, 
I don't tell any of the Oilers fans up there I said that, but Stuart Skinner is an actually really good goaltender, really, and they have real good WHO goalie, and they've done a nice job bringing him along developmentally. He arguably he probably should have been a full time NHL last year. He was ready, but he was on my Team North North America piece I did when I was looking at all the goalies from Canada and US under him. He was a final four. He was the he was the last guy left off, just because the other three guys were they just had better track records in the actual NHL. He just didn't have enough sample size, so he's he's good. Skinner over Wolf. Pardon, I uh, I didn't pick Wolf because it was he was still just a little young. And Carter Hart uh, was the starter, and there was uh, some other ones there. Spencer, I'd, we'll I'd have, have Wolf over. I'd, I'd have Wolf over Skinner. We'll have to punish Shane later. Well, neither of them. Neither. Well, Skinner didn't make it. There's three guys. Ah, yeah. Go back okay. and look. I know it was Hart, and I know I had. Um, I already blanking already. Uh, was, that was a year ago. So. Oh, yep. how times have changed. Jenlin, let's yep. go to Winnipeg, where the Jets actually – the Jets have been a team that's drafted fairly well for the last few years. They have a decent amount of depth everywhere. They're bringing three first-rounders with them. Uh, Cole Perfetti, who is quite good. Chaz Lucius, who's signed and going pro this year, and he is quite good. And Brad Lambert, who might be, like, the hardest player to get a handle on in the entire 2022 draft class. Brad Lambert might be – uh, the Oliver Shillington of the 22 draft class, where I remember two, three years ago, you know, when he was 16, like Brad Lambert's the kind of guy he's been getting, hev- he was getting heavily scouted as, and talked about as a potential top five pick from when he was like 15, 16, when he was getting scouted in the WHL, when WHL teams were like, Brad Lambert, bring him on. He was being touted as a guy who had that kind of ceiling and he might still have that ceiling. Uh, but he sort of bounced around. He went to Finland. He played at a bunch of different levels. He, you know, he had some injury issues. He had some consistency issues. Basically, he's a young kid who is figuring out a lot of things on this at the same time. And things, you know, uh, development isn't always linear. And so Brad Lambert went from being a guy who is touted as a potential top five pick to being maybe in the first half of the first round to being barely a first rounder. Winnipeg got him, I think, at 30th overall. But I like Brad Lambert. I, he's, he's granted. He's the type of guy where if you have multiple firsts and you take Brad Lambert late, you're probably feeling pretty happy because as far as gambles go in terms of his intangibles, in terms of his ceiling, he he's a fascinating, fascinating player and playing against, uh, you know, the types of players he's going to be playing against on other teams in this situation. This is going to be such a fascinating environment to see Brad Lambert compete in. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting crop. I would say the Jets, uh, the Jets forward, the Jets forward group in particular is a little bit uh, thinner. I would say, um, I would say that, you know, beyond those three guys, it's, uh, I mean, they don't have Nikita Chibrikov. Pardon me. Jokin, I like Jokin in there. P- who? Danny Jokin. You're talking about their forward. Oh, Danny Jokin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Danny Jokin. Jokin. I mean, they have uh, what? Uh, Henry Nikkinen is coming too, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Henry Nikkinen's pretty old at this point. But yeah, they, yeah, like they the, you know, they, they have a few guys, but I agree. I always, yeah. I agree with you, Mike. I think it's, I think they have a first line, ish group that you go, all right, let's see what these guys can do, and then as it goes down, it sort of thins out quite a bit. Yeah, pretty much. The Jets. I mean, it's it's funny. The Jets have Connor Hellebuck, obviously, but they don't really have the guy who I would say is that that goalie of the future, which is kind of funny as it is to, to say, uh, because obviously that guy for so long was Connor Hellebuck. Um, and I think their presumptive starter at the tournament will be Arvid Holm, 
who had a real rough year in Manitoba last year. Uh, 877 was the save percentage, I believe. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's it, yeah, not not exactly what you want to see. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Jets draft another goalie here in the next couple of years. Um, well, I think Hell looks still a goalie of the future is the thing. Well, They're I mean, just going to ride him until he's in his 30s, been barring and breaking down. But uh, I, I, Cole Perfetti should be the best player in this tournament. Cole Perfetti oh, yeah. should be the best player in this tournament. Like, I, I, I really have high praise for the Flames guys they're bringing. Vancouver, not so much. We just went through the Oilers roster. I think Cole Perfetti should be the best player in this tournament. So, Shane, out off the top of your head, how old will Connor Hellebuck be at the end of this coming season? 27. 30. Oh, see, I think he's younger than he is. <laughs> just, just figured you should know. Yeah, yeah he's, uh, today, he's still, uh, still another five, six years before. Like, yeah, no, 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 for sure. But he's start, a goalie of the present planning. Sure. You got to start planning. But, yeah, I've, and uh, might as well go to Vancouver next because I know Mike oh, has boy. hashtag thoughts about Vancouver. I'll say this: so I've been I've been leading off with the first rounders for all these teams. Vancouver's is easy because they don't have any because they're not <laughs> they. It's a combination of trading your players and uh, your players being in Europe. So uh, I think Jonathan Lateramaki, it was the most recent first rounder. I hope I got his name right because he's a very good player. He's playing in Sweden right now, so he's not coming because he's busy doing pro hockey stuff. Uh, so. In the interim, the highest drafted player that the Canucks have coming is De- Danila Klimichev, or Klimovich, who was in Abbotsford last year. He's a second rounder from a couple years ago. He's pretty decent. He's, you know, he's fine. Uh, and then it thins out a bit after Klimovich, who's, who's fine. So it's going to be the host team arguably has the thinnest group going. I don't know what to make of them. Yeah, um, the Vancouver Canucks have been one of the most mismanaged teams in the National Hockey League over the last decade. That's not really a secret at this point. Um, obviously, having made the playoffs just twice in the last nine seasons, I believe, um, which is honestly a fact that surprises me when I hear it, because uh, it feels like they've made it more than that. But you no, know, it's been twice. And uh, and the second time they made it, they would not have made it had the that been not for the expanded playoff format. Uh, the Canucks group of prospects here is not really uh, befitting of a team that has missed the playoffs as much as they have. Um, it's really, really poor and uh, no disrespect intended to any of the players going because they honestly would be fine middle of the lineup players on any of the other teams going to this tournament. But when you are going up against teams that have uh, a Dylan Holloway or a Cole Perfetti or a Jacob Pelleche and the best prospect you're bringing the most Closest to the NHL prospect you're bringing is Jet Wu uh, or Arshdeep Baines or Danila Klimovich. It's just, it just doesn't stack up. And uh, the Canucks are, I don't even know if they know what they're trying to be. I like the JT Miller contract in terms of its value, but I don't like it for that team. And uh, they seem to be intent upon winning when I don't think their roster is set up for it. And their prospect pool will not be competent or will not be sufficient to complement them going forward. All due respect to our friends in Vancouver. I'll say this. Generally speaking, you say, screw it. Let's go for it. When you've had a few years of sort of upward momentum. I mean, you can say what you will about the, the wisdom of, Flames ownership, for example, saying, let's go for it, boys. But the Flames won the division last year. The Flames, you know, had a very a pretty good first round. And then they simply, you know, the wheels fell off in the second round for any number of reasons, which you've gotten into already. But 
if you want to squint and go with this core, you swap out these three guys for these three guys to keep going. You could, you know, I, I you don't really need to, you know, squint too much to make it make sense. Vancouver's situation is a little bit more challenging in that you need to sort of project hopes and dreams a bit more upon that group than they have experienced. Like, why would you yeah. leave Jack Rathbone off your roster? Like, I maybe maybe you're like, oh, he's too much of a veteran. He's 23. Like, like we saw, like some of those other guys are going for the other teams to get them kickstarted. You just got Philip Johansson, former first round pick of the Wild. He's not going. Like, what are he's, you doing? Uh, he's playing in Sweden. Oh, that's why. Okay. Oh, but I was like, they, they're not even like they're not they didn't send anybody and like i know it's just it's just like you're not giving your home fans anything you're not getting your home like it's it's supposed to be everyone's coming and the attraction is every other team what i will say is this the calgary flames are historically one of the least successful teams in the national hockey league in terms of advancing in the playoffs over the last decade they have advanced three times in the playoffs the arizona coyotes have advanced three times over the last decade the are, Vancouver are you, Canucks. Are you advanced. counting? Are you counting the uh, the bubble as advancing? I'm counting. I'm counting everything. Yes. Okay. The Arizona okay. So they won three. Advanced. They won three series. Yes, that's right. The Coyotes have advanced three times. The Flames have advanced three times. The Canucks have advanced twice, uh, and so that is just that just goes to show the track record under Jim Benning, and I don't see the commitment to a different direction thus far under Patrick Albin. I see. I, I mean, they're, they're kind of tied up still. Like, they're, they're tied up, but... Yeah. You got to... Uh, I'll say this. Uh, when the Flames changed uh, leadership and they brought in uh, uh, Jay Feaster, uh, the phrase that Brian Burke used was, Jay did a good job shoveling out the barn because there was stuff in the barn to be shoveled out before Brad Trilliby got hired. So it is what it is. Uh, Jalen, uh, before... We might as well dive into the meat of the Flames roster. Before we dive in... Let's talk about the folks who aren't going briefly. Uh, most of these are just European players, college players, and players who are going to college soon. Um, amongst them, I'll just run through the list very quickly. Uh, Arseny Sergaev, goaltender. He's at school at UConn. He's not going. Uh, defenseman Jake Boltman is not going. He's at school at Notre Dame. Go Irish. Uh, Matt Coronado is uh, at Harvard. Demetrius Comanzis is at the favorite school of Mike Gould, Arizona State, uh, for as a fifth-year senior. Uh, Topi Roni is with Tapara in Finland. He's playing pro already. Josh Nodler just transferred from Michigan State to UMass uh, in Amherst. He's about to start his uh, senior year. Cade Lidler, uh, late-round pick of the Flames this past year. He is just uh, about to start his season with the BCHL's Wenatchee Wild in Washington State. Uh, he's committed to Minnesota State Mankato, I believe. And I don't, uh, I haven't been told this definitively by anyone, but this is just my theory. Uh, he's barely 18. He's still at NCAA eligibility, and he's about to start his season in the BCHL. There's really no reason to disrupt his his uh, the start of his season to bring him to an NHL camp where he'll be there for a few days, and they'll turn around and say, okay, see you later, Cade. So I think that uh, the combination of getting him started on a good season and also maintaining his NCAA eligibility, uh, and William Stromgren is just started a season with Rogel in the SHL. He got a hat trick in his first U-20 game. And then he got rewarded for some, with some uh, Champions League games. So that's kind of cool. So those are the guys who aren't going. The guys who are going, and we'll go position by position uh, very briefly. And I have too many things open on my desktop, like I tend to. Uh, 
So in net, the Flames are bringing three guys. They're bringing uh, ECHL backup Brad Arvanatis, uh, who is going to be probably. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The backup in Rabbit City this year. He's a, a second-year pro. He played three years of Division Three in the NCAA. Uh, oh, previous to that, he played two years of Division One and barely got to play. He was the third goalie for UMass, uh, and they won a national championship, but he was there, but he barely played. And so if you want to play pro hockey, playing is helpful. And so he made the decision to transfer to a Div Three school, and he played awesome in Div Three. And so now he's, uh, you know, he's at an NHL camp where – he probably wouldn't have gotten this opportunity had he not gone down to Div 3. So bet on yourself, kids, like Brad Urbanatis. Uh, the other goalie there is the likely ECHL starter, uh, Daniil Chechilev, who's on another AHL deal. Uh, he's Flames' property. He, Because of the weirdness of the Russian rights, he basically is Flames' property forever. Uh, but they're going to sign him eventually because they, they like him. Uh, but Chechilev uh, will be starting probably for Rapid City. So Arvanatis and uh, Chechilev get to become buddies early. So, you know, I hope they, a Russian guy and a guy from New England, I hope they start a buddy comedy web series somehow because that's just good fun. Rapid City, your social people, get on that. We want to see wacky misadventures of the mismatched goalies. And the other goalie, uh, Dustin Wolf, you might have heard of him. He won the uh, AHL Goaltender of the Year Award last year. He's 21. He's played one year of pro. That one year of pro was awesome. So, I think the idea is uh, the Flames have a lot of goalies. I think they're playing eight preseason games, unless I'm mistaken, eight or nine. 
Uh, of those, you're probably going to give Markstrom a bunch. You're probably going to give Vladar a bunch because you need Vladar ready in case you need to use him right away, uh, especially in a very busy October. So I think the thought process is, you know, there's three games. You're probably going to see Wolf in a couple of them p- to get him going because there's probably not going to be a lot of preseason time to really try things out. So it makes sense. I don't know. It was either bring these three guys who are in your pro system or scrounge for uh, for tryout guys that aren't in your system. And given the, the, the limited developmental reps they have to use, I kind of see the logic of using their goaltenders this way, right? Yeah, Dustin Wolf uh, would have been our unanimous number one prospect if uh, some idiot didn't rank him third. Um, but, uh, but, you know, he was, he was just fantastic, uh, to watch last season. And I would be, I would be on the, uh, I would be on the track of playing him against Edmonton and Winnipeg probably, uh, in this tournament and probably give Chechlov and Arvinitis, Arvinitis the, uh, the split probably against, uh, Vancouver potentially. Um, yeah, Wolf is, uh, Wolf is just really, really good. Like, I just can't really say that enough. He, uh, his lateral movement is off the charts. He, uh, plays really tall. And his are, crease, are, he, are you going to pull, are you going to pull a feaster and declare him the best goalie outside of the NHL? No, uh, he's definitely <laughs> in the conversation. He's in the top three, I would say. Uh, he's right up there. I would have a hard time coming up with three better ones. So yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's astounding. And uh, uh, if you, if you want to watch some Penticton games, uh, he's the reason why, if he's starting, you should watch. I know two things about goalies, big saves and bad goals. And that's why none of them will ever rank number one on my list. So <laughs> uh, Dustin Wolf's unreal. He's probably too good for this tournament, to be honest with you. But uh, you got to start and uh, it never hurts. Like, who doesn't want to go play hockey games where you're going to be one of the best players in the ice? And you know it. Yeah, like, that's, honestly, that's the, the, the probable message from uh, the Flames goaltending department is, kid, go dominate. Yeah, and yeah. he's the way he's wired. He wants to dominate. So it's going to be, he might be like Mike said, I think he's one of the main reasons to watch this tournament from a flames perspective, because if you're, if you, I know a lot of people didn't watch a lot of AHL hockey last year. There's, there's any number of reasons why folks didn't watch a lot of AHL hockey. They'll have the opportunity to watch more of it this year. And one of the main reasons to watch AHL hockey in person as much as you can this year is to see Dustin Wolf do Dustin Wolf things. And you get a preview in Penticton. Um, Shane said Colbert Fetty's the best prospect in the tournament. I'm going to say based on pure ceiling potential, Dustin Wolf has a higher ceiling than Colbert Fetty, but it's darn close. I'm talking about later. I'm talking about right now. (laughs) That's fine. That's fine. Uh, You know what? Right now, right now, I mean, hey, you know what? They both played in the AHL. Both played in the AHL last year, and you 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 could make a very good argument last year that Dustin Wolf was one of the five very best players in that league. Oh, I'm not. No, I'm not trying to trounce you. He's trash. Oh, I know. I just. <laughs> yeah, but again, again, I never pick a goalie. Never, Dust, and, never pick and Dustin Wolf didn't get any regular season shutouts. So how good can he be? And then he got three in the playoffs. <laughs> he was saving them. He was saving them for a special occasion. Much like the good China, he was saving them for the playoffs. Folks, you got to understand that with Dustin Wolf he just got better. Like he kept getting better. He had what a nine twenty six in the regular season. I think he started out the playoffs with a nine twenty nine. last three games when they were facing the Chicago wolves and they were facing elimination. He had a nine thirty six. Uh, facing elimination so against better. the team that eventually won the championship. Won. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. like they t- yeah, he was the reason they took him to six. If you go all the way back to the two junior seasons, his, his junior seasons, if they weren't COVID shortened, he would have broke all of the WHL. Oh yeah. 
No question. Yeah, he would be the record holder in every single category in the yeah. dub if they yeah, were. He, amongst junior hockey people, he is still thought about, even with the even with the pandemic of it all, he's considered one of the three or four best Western League goalies of all time, like him, Kelly Gard. There's a handful of other names in the conversation. But I know. always compare him to uh, modern-day comparison to UC Saros because you don't, mm-hmm. you don't get that good at that size at that position without having the absolute compete level of a champion. So it's, it's, and he, he's gone up since he's been drafted. He grew, grew a bit more over the, the draft day. Whenever he was, oh, he's so short. Like he's and he 60. started wearing big shoes. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, like UC Saros is my NHL comparable and he could dwarf that. Like his seat is higher than that. So. I talk regularly with folks uh, in the flames and, you know, with their marketing department. And I said to them this year, cause they don't usually, they, they, they sell flames jerseys with player names on the back. They don't do that for the hitman. Um, and uh, I wouldn't expect them to do it for the Wranglers, but I would say, you know, if you made up a batch of 15 Dustin Wolf jerseys and just tried to sell them, I don't think they'd last the whole game. Yeah. They're, they're going to, they're going to do some no, brisk no. business on AHL merch this year, I think. Yeah, yeah, you I can sell some Pelche stuff. Like, there's there's a yep. lot of well, yeah. if he's down there, but yeah, yeah, for sure. Wolf, uh, like Wolf is a guarantee to be down yeah. there. So Wolf. for now, let's move to the blue line. Uh, the blue line group includes a lot of players that you might not have heard of because some of these guys only really junior hockey hardcores have heard of. Uh, so uh, the nine guys going for the Flames are Yan Kuznetsov, uh, Christopher Sidoff, Simon Levine, Jeremy Poirier, Cameron Wynott, Cole Jordan, Rhett Reinhardt, Jake Lee. And the lone uh, AHLer from last year, although Kuznetsov had a little bit of time there, uh, Ivan Slavyov. So, Ilya Slavyov. Sorry, sorry, Ilya. Uh, so the trial kids are uh, Christopher Sidoff, uh, who's Finnish, uh, an overager heading back to the the Western League's Red Deer Rebels. Uh, he's had a really interesting draft uh, or uh, progression the last few years. So he came over, uh, played a year as an import. Then the pandemic happened, so he was loaned back from the rebels to sweet to Finland played on three different teams, especially, I think he played 26 games uh, in the, the highest levels of Finnish hockey, the Liga. Uh, he played, you know, he was a second, third pairing defenseman as a teenager in a very good league. And then he came back to the Western league last year uh, as a 19 year old and uh, had 61 points, 65 games. He's very good offensively defensively. He's fine. You probably want you, they, he probably wants to be more than fine. His coaching staff probably wishes he was more than fine, but he's not a liability. But he's a really good puck mover. He's got size. He plays with pace. He anticipates well. Uh, the reason he wasn't drafted is I think basically, you no, know, he just they didn't have enough of a sample size of him at one particular level to really say he went from A to B. Therefore, here's his trajectory. But he's the kind of guy where I think there's so much potential there that of all the the non flames properties playing for the flames in this event he might be the guy to keep your eye on the most uh the other guys who are tryouts uh simon levine has an ahl contract Rhett reinhardt has an ahl contract and jake lee is 21 uh, he previously played in the western league with seattle and Kelowna. uh he played in the whl championship he didn't play very much but he was on a whl championship team in his 16 year old season uh and then he's just played out his eligibility he's another guy kind of like uh, Seedoff where he's got uh, a lot of upward potential, potentially offensively, his defensive game. There's again, been sort of some questions about, but he fits the, the mold of what the flames want from their back end in terms of, you know, puck mover, 
mobility, those kind of things. Essentially, I think they see a lot of attributes that they like in the defensemen of the Flames, like, say, Hannafin or Shillington or Anderson, the guys who can you know, get the puck in their own zone and then just move it in the right direction. Uh, but I don't think him or Seedoff would be shut down guys. But uh, so gentlemen, what do you think of the defensive group? There's obviously no first rounders. Uh, the guys they have, uh, the marquee players such as they are, are uh, the third pairing AHL defenseman from last season. And a couple of guys who are on a very good second pairing on the Memorial Cup champions in Kuznetsov and Poirier. And beyond that, it's sort of, some some guys with, you know, probably didn't have great seasons last year and think they can bounce back and we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, we'll see what happens with this group. Shane, I think you're muted. Oh, as yeah, the cold. Oh, sorry, my mother tried to call me mid podcast, so uh, she she got the she got the hard decline. So, um, uh, <laughs> no, Cole Jordan had fantastic transition stats when they drafted him uh, mitch brown tracks all that stuff and I, I am a loyal subscriber of years now and like so i'm interested to watch him move the puck but kuznetsov to me is the big draw he's the highest drafted guy they have he's uh poye's got the offense but you know kuznetsov's like i want to see him be a shutdown guy that doesn't let anyone buy him that's what I want to see, especially when they play Vancouver. I don't want to see anyone get by. Kuznetsov, for, for all the talk of him being a good shutdown guy, and he is, that was his role in UConn. That's kind of why the Flames wanted to get him. He was quite good offensively in the Memorial Cup tournament. And the, 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 I think the reason why he got sent to St. John last year, also because it's tough to be a teenager in the AHL. They didn't really have – to be blunt, they didn't have a consistent enough spot – in the blue line group for him and Solovyov. So they basically had to choose and they tried to choose the way that maximized ice time for both guys. But for Kuznetsov, I mean, they put him in St. John because they wanted him to play with Poirier and get some of the offensive swagger that Poirier has. And I think they wanted Poirier to get some of that shutdown swagger that Kuznetsov has. And I think this is going to be the kind of event where you see if that idea was successful or at least at a very, at a very small level. I want to see yeah. them separate too. Like, I don't want to just same old, same old all the time. Poirier can play the right side, so he'll be over there quite a bit. Um, the only they, they only have one right shot defense. Just right, Reinhardt. So oh, that shoots right. So they're going to need some off guys playing on their offside. So I don't know. It's not, it's not like it's, there's no big, it's, there's not really a big defenseman on any of the teams other than the Oilers taking Broberg. The rest of it is, just a bunch of, you know, the, the Flames probably have one of the better decors that's going. And that's just a testament to the fact that, you know, they take good guys later in the, like, later in the draft, like guys with decent potential or roles or, or specific skills that they want to round out. So, um, I don't know. I, I think the Flames have the best decor going, but I also am biased, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have reached, I have reasonably high expectations for Jeremy Poirier. I think he uh, he has uh, an extremely high ceiling. I was a big fan of that pick when they made it. I can't make heads or tails of, of Jan Kuznetsov. I just have no idea uh, what that guy projects to be in the NHL. I just don't know. Like he is, he's a he's an unusual player. He's not like he's a he's a big shutdown guy, but he's not. He's also not like massive like he's six four obviously like he's huge but he's not like it's not like he's Maverick Lemonu who's six seven uh you know it's not like he's you know an absolute pillar out there he's six four and you know Alex Chason is six four 
Like it's it's just like he's big, but he's not like so big that it overcomes or it can make up for other aspects of his game. So I, I don't know. He's not as offensive uh, as you might like to see for a guy who played in the in the queue at whatever is he's 19. But you know, small sample that, and and like you said, Pike, uh, and then more Mario Cup, we saw that, and obviously what we've seen from him with Stockton has been such a small sample as well, um, to the point where you know I, I think we can reserve judgment on that until we see him next year with the Wranglers, likely in a top four role. Yeah, the, the, the curious thing, the curious thing you mentioned, Shane, you mentioned uh, Cole Jordan, so. Yeah. Both Jordan and Cam Wynott were drafted, and I think the thought process was these are guys with some potential. Let's see how they develop. Both of them kind of had seasons that sucked last year, uh, and not for their not for their their own reasons. Uh, Jordan had an injury that he basically dealt with for half the season, and then he's playing on a, a very good uh, team in Moose Jaw. And if you're playing a good team, good teams are deep. And if you're an 18 year old playing on a deep team and you get hurt odds are you're not going to get your spot back right away. And he didn't get his spot back right away. And he basically had to play his way back into a larger role. Mm-hmm. And some, there's some graduations this year and knock on what he stays healthy. Hopefully that means that Jordan has a bigger role because a lot of scouts in the Western league, are like, there's something there. Can he get it? And that's the thing with why not too. Why not was sick. And then he was hurt. And he like, he was, he had a lot of challenges last year too. And I think between those two guys, if one of them can bounce back and get anywhere close to the potential the Flames thought they had in them, great, found money. Uh, if both of them do, great. But, you know, I, I don't think, like, these guys have to have the worst frigging luck possible for both of them to have bad years again because there's so many weird things conspiring against them. So let's hope they can bounce back. Let's move over to the forward group before I run out of steam and lose my voice. Uh, the forward group... Uh, includes a bunch of guys. They incl- they are Adam Klapka, Connor Zeri, Jacob Pelche, Jack Beck, Cole Huckins, Lucas Folk, Evan Boucher, Rory Karens, Walker Door, Lucas Siona, Ilya Nikolaev, Emilio Peterson, Cole Schwint, uh, Parker Bell, and Scott Walker's kid, Cooper Walker, who has two first names, because why not? Uh, the tryouts in this group include... Um, Evan Boucher, who uh, played with uh, Cameron Wynott in Halifax. He's a, an overager. He's a big dude. He's a center. Uh, they don't have a lot of centers. They like big dudes. He had good numbers last year, so why not bring him in? Uh, they also brought in Cooper Walker, who's from Guelph. He plays in the OHL. His daddy's playing in the NHL, and I believe he's coaching now. I forget where. He always, Scott Walker's bouncing around somewhere, but he's always involved. Uh, Cooper he was Walker, in Vancouver last year. Yeah, he, I think he was in a developmental role or some, he's somewhere in the Canucks organization right now, I think. Not not anymore, but he, he left, but he was an assistant coach last year. Okay. Uh, yeah, so new faces for the Flames. Uh, Adam Klapka is Czech and gigantic. He's listed as six seven or six eight, depending on where you look at it, and between 220 and 230 pounds, depending on if he's eaten yet. He's just a big, big dude uh, and one of two right-shot forwards the Flames have going, uh, the other one being Walker Dewar, who played NHL games last year. Uh, also going, this is, this is a group I'm kind of excited about. Uh, Connor Zary, former first round pick, uh, Jacob Pelche, AHL all rookie team and very good last year, right? Basically he took 10 days to figure out the AHL. That was very good from right away. Jack Beck, who, when he wasn't dealing with any number of injuries, a knee injury, a liver contusion, a couple other things was just a goal machine when he was playing, uh, 
Rory Karens, who went, bounced back from barely playing in his draft plus one year to being the second leading scorer the entire OHL in his draft plus two. Not bad. Uh, Lucas Siona uh, went to a WHL final. Uh, Ilya Nikolaev jumped from any number of weird Russian secondary tertiary leagues into the USHL as an overager. And as you would hope a, a physically mature 20-year-old who's played pro would do, he beat the crap out of the USHL. He was very, very good on a very, very good team. He was one of the better players on one of all of North American junior hockey's best teams, uh, underachieved in the playoffs, but that's that happens to a lot of good teams. Uh, Cole Schwent, the Flames got him from Florida in the Kachuk trade. He's pretty good. He played NHL games last year. Uh, Emilio Peterson, heading into his third year of, of his entry level, uh, has had an interesting couple of years has been pretty good, has been less good, has been up the lineup, has been down the lineup, finished the season playing fairly well for a very good AHL team. There's a lot of interesting, interesting projects and interesting players and names to keep track of this forward group. Uh, And granted, we're biased because we talk about the Flames and follow their prospects fairly intricately, but like you... This, this might be a buffet where at the end of the first few days, we're like, there's too much stuff to write about guys. Cause there is a lot of storylines that we could follow in this. Uh, how are any number of these young guys going to transition to full-time pro? How are any number of these guys going to transition to North America? How are any number of these guys going to transition to the flames and their systems? I don't know, man. This is okay. Uh, uh, Mike. Who, who, are, who are the two or three guys you're going to be circling and really looking at their shifts and trying to figure out? Yeah, I, I really want to get a good look at Cole Schwint. Uh, I, I got a lot of people in some of the comment sections of some of my articles saying that Cole Schwint could push for the Flames' third-line right-wing spot this year. I would be extraordinarily surprised if that was the case. Uh, you know, he played the three NHL games last year, and I think he earned those NHL games. Um, he played NHL games, but let's be a, let's put a caveat here, folks. He played AHL games at the point where everyone and their dog in Florida had COVID and granted right. you needed to have somebody to play. And in that situation, you choose guys you like and you trust. And Schwint was the guy that they chose for that gig, but you know, he didn't beat out a guy for a roster spot. He beat out guys for call-ups, but it's still an accomplishment. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I'm curious to see what exactly the flames have in Cole Schwint. I, I think, some of the people, I, I, I do think there are people who need to pump the brakes a little bit on Cole Schwent. Uh, I think he's a very interesting prospect. Um, I wouldn't say, though, at this point, he's even close to surpassing a guy like Adam Rzichka or even a guy like Jacob Pelleche or even a guy like Matthew Phillips. Uh, he'll be on the second line, I think, in uh, with the Wranglers at at most. Uh, like he's, he, that's, that's a big thing that I want to see because I imagine they'll put Cole Schwent at center. Uh, with the Wranglers, but they've got a lot of competition at center, a lot of competition. They're going to have Connor Zary, who's really going to be pushing for minutes. They've got Ilya Nikolaev, who is uh, a massive wild card. He's Jan Kuznetsov at forward for me. I have no idea what to expect from him either. And Rory Karens, who is uh, was one of the best players in the OHL, second in scoring last year. And so Cole Schwint, I mean, there's a good chance he maybe even ends up on the wing, um, on the on the right side of, of one of those other three centers. And and, uh, you know, I think penciling him in for three RW minutes this year is is very lofty. Um, but I am also very interested in the tools that he brings because I think they do scream Daryl Sutter to me uh, in some respects. And uh, I think he's very intrigued. I'm, I'm, I think we, we always talk about, like, 
fans, we love you. People on Twitter, we love you. This We mean this with nothing but love. A lot of folks ask us about training camp line combos and Penticton line combos and this other thing. And a lot of times they don't mean anything because it's just, here's three guys we thought we'd want to see together. Like I've talked to the coaches a lot of times. It's just like, ah, we're curious, you know, but this is the, this is the kind of event based on, you know, it's the AHL coaching staff running the bench and it's the AHL coaching staff getting their first real reps with a lot of guys that'll be in the AHL this year. And so if you're stopped it, or if you're the Wranglers and you're Mitch Love and you're his coaching staff and you want to get some, some reps with these guys, I'm really curious who plays center in these games, who plays with who, who's used in different situations. I mean, you know, the, the combination themselves aren't really that significant, but I think the roles that guys are tried out in, I think will be kind of interesting, especially, you know, for guys who are, who are a bit more mature, because I mean, so a lot of these guys, this, when I ran, when I did the, 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 uh, the roster preview on the site, when they announced everything, uh, there's not a lot of old guys, in this team, I think, uh, Adam Clack was 24, turning 25, I think. No, he's 22. He's 22 on here. Dewar is 24. Dewar is about to turn 25. But everyone else with the Flames is like 22 and under. And so there's a lot of young guys here and a lot of guys who are maybe playing their first year pro, maybe playing their second. So there's there's a lot of upward mobility in a lot of these players. And I think seeing – particularly who the centers are might be the main significant takeaway because maybe it'll give us a clue as to, you know, who plays where in, in uh, with the Wranglers this year. Shane, Shane, do you, uh, you, you don't like any of these players, do you? You just, you, a uh, bit disappointing group in your eyes, right? Yeah, no, I'm absolutely thrilled to watch Rory Cairns. Like I, I am, I am absolutely like Pelche should not Pelche should be the best player on the team. Like he sh- should be um, naturally. So I really think Zari will show, some people that you know the start of last year and everyone already kind of like writing off his potential was wrong he's he's still got it he's still got the smarts I think he'll show but I want to see Rory Cairns I want to see he missed a whole year of development it fascinates me how he's going to come in and compete with these guys that already have a year and see if he can show any of them up because that that to me would really hype me up for his potential ceiling i want to see more ahl i'm excited that what i'm 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 planning to watch him live hopefully if he's playing for the wranglers um which he should be uh and the other guy is jack beck like you said he's goal machine on the wing uh he's he's definitely going to go back to junior this year but uh i want to see how he holds up against these guys so like he's gonna have very jack beck's gonna have someone decent up the middle finish fishing the puck whether it's zari schwint Nikolaev, Karen's, even maybe Huckins, like if they're going to put him at center, like fourth line center or something. But Jack, I think, I think you hit on something that I just want to mention. So we, we talked mm-hmm. about the, the, the Phil Broberg of it all against Edmonton. And I mean, he's one guy, but he's, he's expected. I think the expectation amongst Oilers fans and probably about the Oilers developmental group is that Phil Broberg should dominate wherever game he's in because he's he's mature he's big he's beefy he's got that that uh, maturity in his game the big thing the storyline of flames prospects especially at forward over the last however many years you could date back to john date back to johnny gaudreau and probably significantly before that too the flames the the flames skill prospects aren't big and their big prospects aren't skilled i am very curious how Rory Karens does against Broberg. 
how Jack Beck does against Broberg. Like all these smallish, the Flames don't have anybody that's quite, uh, let's say, Matthew Phillips-ish in terms of physical stature in this uh, group. But they have a lot of guys who are around six foot and a little bit shorter than six foot and guys who are not quite as physically developed as some of their counterparts who are older. Jack Beck's a good example of that. Or even Rory Karens, who's only, you know, he's just barely 20. I'm really curious how in the span of a short tournament, how the Flames young guys can transition and enter the zone and hold on to the puck and really make things happen. Because in the Flames system, the difference between the guys who make it and the guys that don't is their ability to get the puck, move the puck, and keep the puck. And can you do that when someone who is 220, 215, 2 whatever is hurtling at you and ready to smush you against the boards? We'll see. But I mean, the Flames prospects historically who have had success at the NHL level, Mount Japani, Dupe, several others, have gone to this type of event against some beefy defensemen on other teams and been able to do their thing. And can Rory Karens, for example, do his thing in this kind of, a, uh, this kind of environment? I don't know. I'm excited to see it. That's all I can say. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be a really interesting opportunity to watch these guys uh, playing together, which is something that we haven't really gotten. Uh, for quite a while. Um, are, do you think yeah. they're gonna? Are they gonna go full retro for for sweaters? Yeah. What, what do you mean full retro? They'll be they'll be wearing the retro. Yeah, the red. I, the we haven't yeah. seen that's that's kind of one of the more fun things. Like we haven't seen a lot of these prospects in the retros. Yeah. Yet. Well, what, what else? While we were recording, they announced they're gonna announce the reverse retros on October twentieth. That's it? right. I was about to I was about to bring that up. Does that mean the supply chain challenges have been overcome? Um, I don't know if the supply chain challenges with the reverse retros are in the same sort of uh, train of, of distribution as the Flames alternates and the Wranglers jerseys. The Wranglers are entirely unrelated because they're CCM. And then uh, the alternates, I don't really know. Um, I think the reverse retros, though, have been in the works for longer. Um, I just think that's 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 been a thing that has uh, been underway, whereas the alternates, the reverse retros are, I think, a two-year endeavor the alternates are i think maybe closer to a year and a half and um, to, so. to folks who are looking forward to being broke this year there'll be two new jerseys yeah. to buy granted one of them uh the third jersey will if you bought a reverse retro last year i don't think it's unfair to suggest that it'll be really similar to a jersey you already own pretty much similar i have to replace mine i lost it in the fire then they oh, they, they, they just did this for you shane they, they heard about your circumstances are like, we're going to bring them back in almost completely unchanged form outside of some minor, minor issues. I, I just, because the, it was the only Jersey I have that would have been relevant. It was an Anderson yeah. and yeah. my Kachuk and Gaudreau went out of style pretty quick here. So <laughs> I'm going to get an Anderson or a Manjapani this time. Most likely two black uniforms for the flames next year, which is going to be absolutely wild. I'm excited to see it. Yeah. And we've, if you go to the aesthetics Twitter accounts and the aesthetics website, they have some mock-ups of the, uh, of what they've been told the flames uh, reverse retro, especially the reverse retro of this year. It, if that's anything close to reality and I'm told it's very close to reality, it's going to be really cool. I'm so excited. It's going to be so sweet. I, um, I'm a big fan of, of, I, I'm a fan of, of teams. I, I find I find it really fascinating that it's the, the team that's trying to make a push for uh, for excellence in the 2020s. And how do they do it? They do it in jerseys from the 1980s and the 1990s, which is just yeah. hilarious to me. 
Now, Pike, something that you might find interesting uh, while we've been recording, um, a couple of players uh, with ties to Calgary have signed PTOs around the league. Uh, Alex Chason has wound up in Arizona, the former Calgary Flame, and Victor Rask, uh, former Calgary Hitman uh, forward from about 10 years ago, has wound up signing with James Neal and Johnny Gaudreau in Columbus. Ooh, the Johnny Gaudreau Columbus Blue Jackets. That's right. Johnny Wild, there, baby. There you I, go. I, does anyone else find it kind of, kind of, kind of neat that that's the, the U.S. game, like one of the four U.S. national games that been announced for the Flames, is Johnny Hockey's return to Calgary? Where oh, he's going to get booed. Yeah, I, he's, he's going to get the I, Adam Fox treatment. I don't know you guys. I don't know if you guys are football guys, but the the college football scene crowd, there's people with signs that are like, "We got Johnny Hockey." Like the wave <laughs> of cool. Jonathan of Johnny Gaudreau going to Columbus. Well, it's oh. it's funny. It's funny oh. that uh, Johnny Gaudreau ended up going to Johnny Manziel, the state of Johnny Manziel's old NFL team. Yeah, Johnny Football. Yeah, yeah, isn't that because he used to play for Cleveland? Like that is that is so funny. But no, I'm not going to be. I'm I I will not be booing Johnny Gaudreau when he comes back. I don't no, think there's left anything family. to boo him for. Um, but but at the same time, I can understand why fans might be a little bit disappointed um, and I'm not going to tell anybody how to cheer for their team, but you know, it's just not something that I'm going to be doing. Adam, there's a difference though. I think there is a difference with Johnny and Adam Fox, Adam Fox. I wasn't booing at the start of that game, but it was a, it was a perfect heel moment when he scored the goal, he put up the hand and then said, I, I hear you. And then it was immediately disallowed. That's just funny. That was funny. And from, and from that point on, I, I can totally understand leaning into the villain aspect of it. You know, it, it's sort of a wrestling thing. I'm not even a wrestling guy, but I, that's that's something that seems like it's straight out of... We'll ask like, Audie, because Audie, Audie uh, was a uh, primetime client's a big wrestler, so and Audie works with him on yeah. him over. So. But with Johnny, I don't really see I'm, the same. I'm sorry, which, which one of us here has been a, a voter for the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame? You. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's a good wrestling fan. <laughs> what's your take on that pike i just i don't know i i like i mean i it's it's sports is supposed to be fun i getting to know johnny a little bit a little bit over the years i feel he was in a tough situation i feel bad for him a little bit uh did he handle it well i won't say that i think uh i think his counterpart matthew kuchuk handled that situation a bit more delicately than Johnny Gaudreau did. I will also say that uh, I think Matthew Kachuk was always probably going to do that because I think Matthew Kachuk made a business decision, whereas I think Johnny Gaudreau made a personal decision. And I think when you look through things through a business lens, it's really easy to make cold, hard, analytical decisions of, oh, this is the, pl- this is the play that has the best ROI for my time, for my brand, for my whatever. And I don't think Johnny Gaudreau sees the world in that lens. I think he, because of that, it was a much tougher decision for him to make. So in the he, real world, people change jobs for worse reasons than those two guys did. Exactly. You got to remember, this is a job to them, folks. And, you know, you were allowed to leave your job, a place of employment to go somewhere else whenever you feel like it. I'll say That's, this. I'll say this. If a single person, <laughs> if a single person boo sean monahan when montreal comes oh. to town i'll be so disappointed <laughs> so disappointed. not at all yeah don't don't do that don't do that, uh, I'll, that I'll, I'll i'll be upset about that I'll fight you I, on the like, like, yeah i mean with with johnny i think i, I, I if i was in that situation i probably would have been a wreck it would have been just just an absolute mess and 
Yeah, but with Sean Monahan, I mean, my God, how can you not like that guy and hope for him to succeed in Montreal? Eh? Good people. Yeah, I hope he gets paid next offseason. I hope he, I hope he bounces back, gets some more money. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, so, Jalen, yeah, the, the fun gets going. This is, this is our last quiet week until June, May? I don't know, until these guys get done. Uh, don't, tell, don't, tell, don't tell Mo. She'll, she'll be upset with me. She's always upset with you. That's 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 what we love her. Uh, I think that'll do it for this edition, uh, fo- folks. Remember, Penticton gets started on Friday night. The first game is at eight thirty Mountain Time. Uh, the Flames website will be streaming them, so go to the website. If it doesn't work, maybe it's geolocked. I don't know. I don't know how things work. All I'm telling you is they're streaming it. Uh, Brendan Parker, uh, friend of this program, will be hosting the broadcast. So they're gonna they're gonna do it up. So. Uh, hopefully, hopefully it's a fun tournament. It's uh, it's the return of September hockey. Uh, bear in mind, don't expect it to be like sweet deeks and high level dangles right away. It's September. These guys haven't been playing that much since like some of them since June, some of them since May. So given the benefit of the doubt, they're kids. They're trying to they're trying to get the rust off. So uh, when when main camp starts, then you can then you can get mean about things a little bit. Uh, but in the interim, have fun. Uh, as always, Flame Station Radio has been brought to you by DoorDash and our wonderful friends at Eau Claire Distillery, the makers of Rupert's Whiskey, the official whiskey of the Calgary Flames. We'll be back in a week, and in a week we'll be breaking down the weekend that was at the Penticton Young Stars Classic, and we'll also be looking ahead to main camp because in a week we'll be on the eve of main camp beginning and the Calgary Flames starting to cut down from probably 60 some guys to their final 22 or 23 as they try to return to the playoffs and potentially have another banner hanging from the saddle dome. Oh yeah. Uh, based from uh, our friend Rick on Twitter, who uh, who's an usher at the saddle dome, uh, the tour guide, you know, it's kind of cool. The flames have already hung the, the 21, 22 division championship banner. And I am told they're planning to do something at the home opener uh, to say, hey, look, we won the we won the division. I don't know if it's going to be extensive or not, uh, but it's not going to be 18 or 19 where they just ignored it completely and pretended it didn't happen. And then when they put it on the broadcast, uh, they just showed, you know, awkward looking B-roll of the bench and went, oh, yeah, that. No, they're going to they're going to have fun with it. So I was hoping uh, they'd ignore it again, to be honest. <laughs> no, no, no. They won a round. They were good until Edmonton. So they're allowed to be a little bit happy about winning the division. So we'll leave that. That'll be our our positive moment of Zen for the following seven days before we return. So we'll see you guys in a week. Mike wants to jump in where he's scratching his ear. Before we sign out, before we sign out, one prediction for Penticton, Ilya Nikolaev scores five goals in three games. That's it. My prediction, Dustin will shut out. My prediction, uh, Blue Jays win. Oh, God. All right. That's been Flames Nation Radio. I'll see you guys in a week. Take care. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 